What's up, guys? It's Hard Rock Nick, one of the richest men in the world, and welcome to Phantom Unchained, the show you're too scared to tell your girlfriend that you watch. Quit your crying, put on your big boy panties, and let's get this show on the road. P.S. Beavis is my baby daddy. Hard Rock Nick the fuck out. Now you're going to die. is happening ladies and gentlemen my name is austin with ftm alerts and with me as always my wonderful co-host crypto clay justin bebus double sharp and back by very very popular demand mr nick dracon what's happening gentlemen how's everybody doing yo that i gotta be honest that video big shout out to uh is it millivolt Damn it, I forgot his name. I think it's Millie Volt. Big shout out to the community member that made that video. That's it. that's the one and only time I'm going to show it because I'll probably get copyright flagged on YouTube. But that shit was the flying bowl of dildos was out of I almost pee, I almost peed my pants watching it, dude. That was Have you never seen Jackass, the Jackass movie before? I, I have. I have, but I've I've never I've never, well, I, I don't know that I've ever seen that particular snippet. Was that like the intro to Jackass that, movie? I think that was actually either the, a trailer or an intro. If I recall correctly, it's been a while. My God, it was just delicious. All right. So I have a confession to make. I am like, we've done 35 of these shows, and this is the first show I'm nervous to do. Uh, I actually have like a little bit of fear about this show. Uh, we're not doing we're not doing the traditional news reporting. We're going to talk about topics, and we're going to these are community submitted topics. Some of the questions are very hard hitting, and you know. So since last week's show, we had a hell of a dialogue, which I shared with a lot of members of the Phantom Foundation, and that that prompted a, uh, a about an hour and a half long phone call that I had with Mike Kong and and John Morris on Sunday. 
And to their credit, as is the post that I, I made on Twitter, I really felt like they heard uh, some of the concerns that, that I was having and some of the concerns that were raised on the show. And so, yeah, so I felt good about that. You know, I do want to mention that, all right, so Phantom as a network, like we, back when I got in and I could safely say probably Bebus was around at this time, like we were about a, you know, $20 million market cap network and the L1 narrative hadn't really taken off yet. And, you know, these guys led us from a $20 million market cap up to, you know, I think we peaked out at what, 9 billion or something. And we're probably, I don't know where the hell we're teetering somewhere, somewhere in the 2 billion range right now. And, uh, you know, to their credit, like a very, very good job has been done by the Phantom Foundation in a lot of areas. And we've built this amazing ecosystem with some of the best DeFi in DeFi in my opinion, and we've built an amazing community. And, you know, like Nick, I know you've been a part of a couple of companies. I've had two uh, companies that I founded and exited myself. And I know that a lot of the times we get to, you know, a point in, in growth where like somebody was sharing with me the other day, there's a, a chasm that kind of needs to be crossed. And a lot of the times, you know, that looks messy. Uh, it, it looks, it looks difficult. Uh, but at the same time, like these tough conversations that we've been having uh, on Twitter and privately and in between us are the ones that we should be having because there was a long time there and I, I fell into it myself. Anytime anybody would come out and offer up what was very likely well-intentioned uh, positive criticism um, was sometimes met with the instant, well, he's just a futter trying to drop the price and buy his bags back lower which I understand the inclination to want to, to use that as a response. Um, recently, what I've seen is some very diehard, you know, phantom supporters who have brought forth uh, legitimate concerns. And I, they were also met with this, ah, they're just fudding to buy their bags back lower. Well, I gotta be honest with you guys, like the bags are pretty low. Like, <laughs> I really wish we had come, come on on a green day, but like the bags are pretty low right now. I don't know that anyone needs to really fud it to get it back any lower. Um, but if we live in a, in a community and an ecosystem where we can't, you know, we can share our wins and we can share what maybe potential threats are down the road. And hopefully we can operate in a way where that's acceptable. And so we have a lot of questions today. Uh, we had actually, what, 90, Clay? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, 90, 90 total. Yeah, we had quite, 90 questions. Quite uh, hard to sort through. We First ever eight-hour episode. Let's get it. No, we're not <laughs> we're not doing 90. We probably won't even get through five knowing this group, man. But like, but we, we whittled it down to, I think there's, what, 12 or 13 that we actually put in as topics, and we probably won't get to um, all of them. So I see people mentioning uh, Felix in the chat. Absolutely right. That's going to be, I mean, that's going to be a, a big announcement for Phantom. I've actually, I was chatting with Harry yesterday and Brian, who's the CEO of Felix, just trying to kind of get some ideas of what it's going to be like. Unfortunately, I, ha I wasn't able to get access to it prior to the show, um, but I hope to have that soon so I can, I can share that with you guys. So what do you guys think? Should we get after it? Anybody want to say anything before we start? I want to say uh, you can look at any of the many, many previous Phantom Foundation-related uh, content produced on this channel, 
uh, to see how seriously in love with the foundation and the network I am. Uh, so don't let, I'm going to try to be as diplomatic as possible, um, but I am as like a business leader on the network, very, very frustrated. Um, but don't let what I say color your opinion of the foundation or of me. And I'm not going to say anything evil, but I, I just figured I'd preface that in case I, you know, the energy drink takes me off the rails. What do you, uh, wait, I, what are you I, drinking? I what do you, just so we know what we're in store for. Is yeah. it Celsius? Mixed berry. Mixed oh, berry. Mixed berry. That's cool. I'm, I'm, you know, I have the smoky, the delicious smoky chemical flavor. Wonderful. <laughs> well, and so that should be pointed out. We have, you know, Nick, who is one of our newer content creators, but has definitely like been nose to the grindstone trying to help out on Phantom. Double Sharp, who, if you guys don't know this, is has been developing on Phantom for uh, since BitGem which was actually like the very first project project to launch Damn. on Phantom. And he's been developing on the network ever since. Clay just quit his high powered job at a major media company to go full time into crypto and specifically support Phantom. And I've, I've spent the last 14 months of my life in unpaid work uh, supporting this network. So hopefully everyone knows that, that the sources on everything we're going to talk about are with the utmost respect and love. Yeah. Now everyone's probably like, what are you guys going to talk about? All right, let's get after <laughs> let's it. Let's get, get after it. So the very first one is uh, a great one to get into. And these are directly from community members. A couple of them I had to edit because they had too many words and they wouldn't fit into the software. But here we go. So how can Phantom recover from the brand damage that has been done over the last few months? And I feel like that bears digging a little bit further into what brand damage has been done because i do believe there's a segment of the community potentially a segment of uh, the foundation that doesn't isn't fully aware of the brand damage that may have been done so i'm going to kick that to you guys because i've been talking for the last 10 minutes so who wants this first who would like to talk? Double Sharp, do you want to talk about Phantom yeah. Finance and Arteon and all that? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, I can address that a little bit. I'm going back to, um, I, I know a little bit less about um, Phantom Finance, but, you know, the, it's been, a lot of that's been disabled for a while for a reason, because it's, I think some of it needs restructuring and it's some part like FUSD is off peg and all that sort of stuff. Um, Ardeon was going to be, uh, you know, premier NFT marketplace. The first version of it was pretty buggy, didn't work. There was like talks of bridging to other networks and stuff like that, which never really came to fruition. So it was just um, like, I actually, to be honest, haven't really looked that closely at the new version of it, which is completely redone. And uh, my understanding is that a lot of the original bugs were, were fixed, but it, it was sort of a flop a little bit and like it you know that it wasn't a, uh the, at least the first version of it wasn't wasn't very well done and just had like lots of issues so luckily on the positive side paint swap did kind of come along and, and fill in the gap and um, became like a really nice nft marketplace on phantom which did like allow for for nfts to grow um as much as they did on phantom but yeah i mean it wasn't it wasn't necessarily smooth or, or successful i would say so yeah. i'm noticing so, tweak over here sorry to cut you off real quick i, I want to just yeah. reference 
tweaks comment. Uh, Phantom isn't just one project. There are plenty of great projects still on the network and more to come. Absolutely 1,000% uh, agree with that. And, and I don't think anyone on here would disagree with that. Yeah, However, but the problem with people like me and Tweak is we have no lives. We're on here all the time on Phantom. You know, it's like, think about an outsider's perspective, um, yep. kind of looking at the events of the past, you know, 12 months. It was mm -hmm. like the huge, like, golden event was the launch of the Phantom Developer Incentives. You know, everybody's, you know, minds opened up like, oh, wow, you know, what's it going to look like a year from now? What's it going to look like two years from now with all of this funding? Um, and, you know, companies like ours, companies like Beethoven's, companies like Spooky Swaps, we were like, wow, we're getting the green light. Phantom, you know, really cares. We're going to go pedal to the metal. We're going to grow. We're going to try to be, you know, the best that we can be. Um, because at that time, we already had some of the best user experiences on the network, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, tweak. Um, <laughs> and and we were we were ready to like really like kill it. And and you know it was like the foundation did this amazing thing for us, uh, giving us funding. And, and it was pretty much like no strings attached funding. Um, it was really awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, obviously, like you know, six months in. Um, and I think for, for us, for Reaper, five months in because, uh, you know, of the Solidly thing, but um, it gets taken away. And now suddenly all these companies are like, okay, growth has to stop right now. We need to, you know, rethink about uh, our revenue models. We need to rethink about our growth strategy. Uh, we need to, you know, luckily not have to think about um, downsizing, uh, but you know, it's at a point where we've grown under the assumption that we were going to have a little bit of buffer. And now that we're, you know, however many months into kind of a bearish cycle, um, you know, all of that help we would have gotten over the past three, four months um, is really hurting. And it's really, really weighing on people, especially as we see other networks offering money hand over fist, um, reaching out to us. And it's like, we've kind of we've given phantom like so many of our tokens we've given phantom so much of our energy so much of our manpower um and it seems at this point that like there's no caring or acknowledgement um and we're not really valued we feel like divested from i think is is the thing that i i hear most it's like you know literally we're recognized all over the place but for some reason not even on our own network and well, let me if i can jump in real quick on that i just want to i want to play the other side of that uh because i think what happened i don't i i know that the phantom foundation never implied or wanted anyone to ever feel that way what i do know that happened is the incentive program shifted and no no notice was given and at the same, and that felt like, oh, you guys aren't sensitive to our needs. And then for the last two months, nobody corrected that sentiment. Nobody was reaching out to say, what are your needs? And to their great credit, I do want to say that I got word that the Phantom Foundation reached out to most, if not all of the like most prominent projects on Phantom. And I believe it's to, it's to ask those questions about what they can do to meet their needs. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. 
And I mean, I'm I I'm saying this only uh, for awareness sake, you know. Um, I know they're well-intentioned guys. I've met Michael Kong. You know, I've met John Morris. Uh, they're lovely people, and they're, like, humble, and they care about the network. Um, and I think, like, yeah. it's like if you have, like, a girlfriend, you know, and uh, she's, like, always sad or upset, and she never tells you why, you uh, you know, and it's like, she's just, ah, oh, Michael Kong, I know you're busy. I know you're busy. I know you got <laughs> stuff going on. I know you're trying. But um, it's at a point where it's like, you know, now it's like survival is 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 what we're after, not necessarily um, trying to, to keep the peace. So um, double see, go ahead, buddy. That's what I was going to add. Like, it, like, and I understand why, like, there are feelings involved, but there is also just the like sort of numbers version of this, which is that crypto is known to be a volatile environment, like overall. And so one of the things that incentives and grant programs and things like that do is take away some of the volatility to have people commit to building on, on a network. So even though, you know, it, it, even if it's feels like they don't care and maybe they do, or maybe they don't like that's in some ways irrelevant. If you're trying to run a business and like have long-term development plans suddenly losing funding and then not being totally clear on how you're going to regain that or at what level, so on and so forth. Or like, is the next program, how long lived is that going to be? It just starts bringing a lot of things into question. And like you were saying, it unfortunately in this case happened during a market downturn when other networks are, are offering incentives to come develop on the network. Um, and so it, it, it is sort of a, in some ways, like a perfect storm. Um, but, you know, I also don't think this is, it's not like, you know, everything is, is the worst it could possibly be. So this is, could just be like a weathering the storm. And I also do think the market has a lot to do with, with how people feel overall. But it does also sort of highlight some of the challenges of doing development that is beyond just forking code, like actually working on new things and how much it costs to get it properly audited and have, uh, back-end developers and front-end developers and, you know, web two developers, cause you still need websites and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's hard to do it. Um, and then if you add more volatility into the mix, it makes it, it hard to figure out how you want to plan for the future. So I want to, I want to just real quick, Richie by put up a great comment and I love it because I've said the same shit all over Twitter. If Bitcoin yeah. was 50K just now, nobody would have been thinking there was any brand damage to Phantom. And, <laughs> and while I am like super acutely aware and like looking for these things, because I was railroading people not but a couple of months ago about they were given Simone a bunch of shit. Like you're not marketing well enough. Price is down, right? Yeah. And I'm acutely aware of that. And, and the market downturn, I believe what it did is it, magnified an issue that had been bubbling under the surface for the last couple of months. And I'll tell you that for, for myself, I honestly have only become like acutely aware of what's really going on over the last, I would say, seven to 10 days. And the biggest threat that I saw, which is you can extrapolate this out of what Beavis said and what Double Sharp said, is that our biggest developers <clears throat> are struggling on our network. Uh, and they're struggling with runway. And that as an isolated incident, maybe we could wiggle our way through it. But when, you know, it, when you have, like, if you're dating one girl and she's not giving you much love, and then you got this girl with 
big old titties over here going, hey, I got an $800 million incentive program come to our chain and they go, well, shit, that would give me runway and that would allow me to support my token holders. I mean, what would you do, right? Like that—that that is that is the real question. And again, to the, the foundation's credit, like when I explained this to them, they really did see our side of things. And and I, I do want to say that like, I feel like action is being taken in that regards. But, but that should be pointed out that we're, you know, if something doesn't shift soon, we have we have our biggest developers on the network who you know may go looking for other girlfriends and that that could be really difficult because those builders have been crucial and pivotal and loyal to the success of this network for a long time you know yeah i i, I don't think so you know we 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 intro the show with a video of the brand damage like you can say what you'd like but there has been things along the way and if you're outside of this community if you don't live in this you know i live in a complete pretty much echo chamber daily where I, I see all sides and all the great things that are happening. And then a lot of the negatives as well. Right. So we can't deny the fact that, you know, externally there does look like, you know, some damaged goods, things going on. Um, the topic was how do you recover from that kind of thing? Right. And so to, to go back and like, I mean, let's, let's like, let's compartmentalize some of this and say, look, if Bitcoin was 50 K yeah, that this, you know, maybe none of this would be a discussion, but I also think everything happens for a reason. And a lot of those reasons are to expose some of the things that need to be discussed and then how we're going to go about making them better. Um, and I have worked in multi-billion dollar companies and, you know, billion dollar exchanges on the programmatic advertising side. And there are, you know, a few keys that I see to successful companies uh, like a Google and, and otherwise, but transparency and accountability, uh, and clear roadmap. And I know that the foundation has a clear roadmap. Uh, and I think that it could probably be better message to the public as to what that is um, and, and holding, you know, and, and that accountability layer there, right? But I think the biggest, what, what this screams to me is that throughout your life cycle as a business, you have different levels of maturity. You're, you're a startup, you're, you know, we're past that phase. We are not just a startup. So at some point you have to say, like really evaluate three things in my opinion structure resourcing and communication so just taking a step back are we structured the right way so that when day one when we got started you know is the same structure that we're operating under right now still the same structure that's going to work for us long term um, are all the heads of you know each division aligned in our goals with with clear expectations of what's to come next if yes check move on to resourcing are we are we resourced the right way do we have enough people if we've got two people in a department, can they work 45 to 50 hours? And if one other person's out, they can pick up the slack and the thing falls apart. If, if yes, then, then move on. And communication, can we effectively communicate internally, first and foremost, so everybody's on the same page? And then obviously for shows like this, externally, so the community is not left with 90 questions. Um, and if the, if the answer to the last one, communication, is no in any, any capacity, go back to the beginning because you're not structured the right way. Um, and that is really what, you know, the, that's what these moments do is that it's that step back moment of, oh man, like maybe there are some things that need to change. And maybe our confirmation bias that we've done everything exactly how we should is not right. Um, and I think that's this opportunity for, for the foundation, for the community, for, you know, our, our developers and builders to start to answer those questions. So for me, that is the path to recovery is a pure analysis of where are we right now in the life cycle of Phantom. And what do we need to change? And I think that's really, if we do that, then we'll be fine. Well, and I, I do want to point out, um, <clears throat> there is, you know, I've, I've never 
been a fan of the us versus other L1s mentality. I've never really felt like that was constructive on a public platform such as Twitter or such as this. And that's the reason I don't I don't ever bash other chains. But I will say that if you pull up coin market cap and you look at, you know, I would say our three closest competitors in layer one networks, you're gonna notice them in the top 20 and you're gonna notice us drifting back and back. And, and that's going to be for, you know, a couple of reasons. One reason is going to be that uh, they have little like sticks, like, hey, this is our claim to fame over here, UST. And this is our claim to fame over here, you know, a bunch of business development guys and, and subnets. And, right. And this is our claim to, right. Everyone's got their little stick. And we had one <clears throat> and it was super successful. It was the incentives program. Like it, it really genuinely brought people over. And I know how many people it brought over because my schedule was, fucking full as a result of those people that were coming over. Like I was slammed and it was wonderful and it was great. And unfortunately that, you know, that got lost. And I do, I want to point something out in that. So we all know that like Solana keeps going down. It went down again the other day because a bunch of bots were like pinging, trying to get some NFTs the second they dropped. And there's something interesting there and that that chain has broken multiple times. And you could pretty much be sure it's probably going to break again. And there's really been very little slowdown with the exception of the market downturn that has slowed their growth or their investability. And I believe, and correct me if you guys have any other opinions, I believe that has to do with a complete and total faith in the team running Solana and their ability to pull out a superior product regardless of what happens now. And with, you know, as somebody who's been doing this work for a while, like, and I'm sure you guys will agree, there was a period of two months where I felt like somebody was shooting a machine gun of negative events at us. Like it was just one thing after the other, after the other. And it was like, holy crap. And, you know, we haven't quite pulled out of that. So I think when people are talking about like brand damage, I think that's really what they're talking about is that. Uh, so. And AS, yeah. you're probably 100% right. VC backing on Solana, you know what happens when VCs come to the table is they crawl up everyone's ass. And yeah. when they crawl up everyone's ass, they say, here's what needs to change. Here's what needs to change. Here's what needs to change. Here's our biggest threats. Here's our opportunities. Here's our weaknesses. And that's what happens yeah. when VC money hits the chain. And that's, that's that, important that, to happen. But that's clear roadmap and that's accountability. That's exactly the two I think I, I think there is like... It's an element of regulation. Like this is an unregulated market. You know, people are kind of doing like the cowboy business thing, um, which is fine as long as you self-regulate. And as long as you can be self-aware and take a look at your practices and be like, okay, this is what's wrong here. This is what's wrong here. This is where our weaknesses are. This is where our strengths are. And then at that point, maybe the VC thing isn't totally necessary. But at a certain point, you know, you get to a level of growth where you need like professional, like super professional opinions. I um, mean, like we at Bite Masons, like we look out for mentors. Like we're not trying to get investment necessarily, but we try to pay VC level people to say, "Hey, can you come in here and and tell us if what we're doing is okay?" Um, and it is like really important because we don't have experience running like a hundred million dollar business or whatever. And we're trying to become a billion dollar business and beyond. So if we don't 
have that level of accountability and we don't have that level of, you know, proper business structure and, and runway and roadmap and all of that, um, then there's not, you know, going to be a way we can uh, compete and we have the talent. Um, so it's just, you know, I think like the reason I like the foundation so much is I can relate to them, um, you know, because they're just normal guys who bootstrap this stuff. Um, but I feel like they haven't made that transition from, you know, this is a grassroots cowboy operation to this is a really serious business and hundreds and hundreds of people are depending on us for their livelihood. Thousands. Um, thousands. Yeah. And, and that's like the really serious thing. It's like, you can't be anything less than your best when your employees, their families, your investors are depending on you. Um, and, and that's where I think um, kind of the hurt is. And, and back to Richie Bai's, uh comment, it's like, I spent three months like not talking about this because, like, oh, it's just bear market. You know, I'm being ridiculous, uh, all that. But um, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I would like to discuss Profit Loser's comment later. Uh, don't need to rebrand, only brand harder. Um, I think that's an interesting comment we can explore, but I'm going to pass this off to Nick because he hasn't talked in a while and we know I can. Nick, cool. give us Patiently the goods, waiting. baby. Get in there. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've got a, a few points. Um, the, the first one is, is I'm an outsider. I, I don't work in Fountain. The two Justins are developers. Clay uh, ha, has a gig at Beethoven and we all know what Austin does. Um, so... I'm coming at this from an external party looking in, right? I'm not privy to a lot of the things um, that have gone on in the past. But what I will say is the reason that I ended up, um, you know, uh, being involved in Phantom was the initial developer incentive announcement in late August of 2021. And the reason as an investor that appealed to me was that every other chain or most other chains were just airdropping free money to users. And what users do is they'll lose it They'll spend it. They'll do whatever they can other than help build the network. And, and Phantom was taking a different approach. They were going to take all this money, hundreds of millions of dollars, give it to developers to incentivize them to build on the network. So that seemed like an interesting investment uh, uh, a thesis. And we all know what happened then. Price went up. All of these projects pop up. This is before Beethoven existed and a lot of other projects that, you know, we kind of uh, consider blue chip right now. So that's the first thing. The The foundation did that, right? And that was in August. It's now May. It's not ancient history. Um, so what I'd say uh, uh, as a follow-up to that is understanding the function and the role of the foundation in this whole system is very, very important. I'm on their website on the About Us page and, and you know, I'll read from it because I think it's important. At Phantom, we're committed to building technology that, that combines scalability, decentralization, and security. To turn this vision into reality, the Phantom Foundation is developing different parts of an open system and closely works with partners to support the adoption of Phantom technology. So when you look at the actions of a particular entity and map it um, to their mission statement or to why they should exist, you can then start to assess whether they're being successful or not. So if we overlay their actions last year against that statement, then they did a pretty damn good job. Um, projects started flourishing. A lot of innovation occurred. Um, and, and this brand damage question or issue that we're discussing, I'm kind of, you know, splitting it in two. 
there's two forms of damage here, if you like. One is on the retail user base, you know, or the user base, right? Not just necessarily retail users, but people that use these protocols and are on the chain and own the tokens. And they're hurting because the price is down. That's it, right? But the price is down across the board. Every chain has their problems. To Austin's point, Solana keeps going down. Um, you know, the Terra ecosystems, they're off buying Bitcoin to, to back their stable. Like everyone has their own little shit show to deal with on every chain. Um, but, and, and, and that's going to keep occurring. The one that concerns me, and it pains me to hear the two Justins speak about this, um, is the divergence away from part of their mission statement, which is closely works with partners to support the adoption of phantom technology. So to me, that means helping developers. And, and you may have a difference of opinion as to how to help developers, um, but when you hear major developers on your platform speaking in a way that is thoughtful, respectful, but obviously with a ton of frustration in their voices, that should be a signal or a flag that, hey, maybe what we're doing um, uh, 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 needs course correction. Um, maybe we need a little bit more dialogue, not on this show, privately and things like that. So I was very encouraged to hear Austin say that that communication is starting to happen and maybe some things will change and maybe they won't. The other point I'll make is that, and I had to ask and look it up, um, but the Phantom Foundation profit company, it's a private company. Um, it had investment. Um, I don't know from who, we could guess, but it doesn't really matter. Um, but this private company has no fiduciary obligation to anyone at all, right? All they have is the trust of the community. Um, so this kind of, and I'm not hearing that on this call, but within the community, there seems to be uh, somewhat of a misconception that the foundation owes something to all of us. They don't. They don't, right? Now, they did make some promises and they did put certain things in motion and then they ripped it out from, from under these protocols and these developers and it wasn't communicated very well. Um, you know, that is its own individual issue and that should be worked out. I don't agree with how they did it um, and, and it sounds like they're trying to rectify it. But, um, but you need to remember that this organisation is governed the way a private company is governed and they can do whatever they want. The other thing to remember is as a for-profit company, um, at the end of the day, they all want the same thing as the rest of us, right? To make some money and to further DeFi and to further the adoption of blockchain and the end goals are similar across the board. Um, so at the end of the day, whatever the decisions, whatever decisions they're making, they believe that it is in the best interests of users and the protocols and the blockchain itself. Um, so the discussion shouldn't be around, you know, um, they owe us something or, or, or anything like that. The discussion should be around, here's some data around, um, you know, how this decision might have been uh, uh, put together um, and made in a more efficient way. I, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Everyone talks about the foundation having a communication problem. Um, I see it a little differently. I, I think they've got a decision-making problem. I think some of the decisions that have been uh, uh, coming out of the foundation over the last couple of months specifically 
um, just seem seem to be not very well thought out. Um, and and uh, you know that could be for a number of reasons. Um, so what I did is I went and had a look at who's on the bus, right? You need to have the right people on the bus so that you can get to the right decisions more often than not. Um, and, and I don't know any of these people. I've never met Michael Kong. Uh, I've been on one call uh, as a participant with Simone, but that's it. Um, I don't know any of these people. And, and you know, when you go through and you listen to Simone speak um, in the 3,000 interviews he's given about Phantom, this guy really cares deeply about the community, about the blockchain. It's a job to him as well. But, you know, you can kind of separate people that are just going through the motions and people that really give a shit. That guy cares, right? So tick. Um, you look at the credentials of this guy, John Morris, who's the head of US operations. Um, and, and this is a serious individual with probably 25 years of experience, Stanford University, um, run companies before, uh, allocated capital. Uh, so... I'd like to think, you know, you look at the credentials of someone like Michael Kong, um, uh, you know, with the help of a couple of other people, they took this thing, which was a dead project, which some people thought was a fraud. They grabbed the tech and they saved it and they built it into what it is today. So I'd like to think you've got um, a core, uh, you know, team there where they have the skill set, the experience um, and the knowledge to get through this thing. So what I would say is empower the people um, in the room to, to to go off and do their jobs um, and 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 you know add value where they can um, and and you know I, I I that's all I've got for now but but you know th- there's a lot of positives there's more positives if you look at the duration of of what the foundation's done the last two months have been you know the the, the problems are well documented um, but but I would encourage you know over communicating with the people that help build this thing which are the protocols and the developers because, um, you know, they're they're not shy about it. They're they're not happy, they're hurting, and their growth plans have been put on hold on account of, uh, you know, certain actions. And, I I mean, I think it, like, sort of what you just said was a lot of it boils down to communication. Like, I don't, I personally at least don't think that the foundation owes anyone anything necessarily, but it's just, it is, like, makes it challenging in a volatile market to have things change unexpectedly. So even just like communicating ahead of time of like what impacts would this have on your team or like, you know, phasing it out or giving people notice. I think those sort of things are, I mean, it's that, that was sort of what I was saying earlier is it's like, it's created a lot of drama, but it's not unfixable or, or something that can't Absolutely. be addressed. And a lot of it does just come down to communication and like letting people, um, know what's going on what the plans are because it and i think i mean it's obvious i said this and everyone said this like it being a down market exacerbates these things but that is part of what you know an incentives program can help smooth out is you're like well the market's down but we do still have this to like ensure that you know everyone can eat ramen instead of some people <laughs> yeah well on that on that point i'm sorry justin i'll, I'll circle back to you real quick um you mentioned something, Nick, that I think we just kind of breezed over, but it's so important. We have, we all have the same goals. We all have the same goals. But lately, it has felt very much, not so much to me, but I know community members have felt very much us versus them. Um, and I think a lot of that 
doesn't have to do, it has nothing to do with our goals not aligning, but I think it has l very little, to, ah, I'm tripping over my words. I think it is as a result of those goals not being clearly stated and those sentiments shared that we want to drive towards the same things and unilateral decision-making without data collection helping to uh, advise that decision-making. I'm not sure if that made any sense yeah, in the way that I just put it, it. but there are, there are a lot going on on the network that is not, that the foundation is not aware of. Uh, yeah. And that's I, I think, I think it is like, a lot of it back to what Nick Dracon is saying and, and kind of what I was saying earlier as well. It's like you have kind of this early stage startup, you know, cowboy decision making, you know, we have good domain knowledge, so we're going to trust that. And where they're at right now requires a really analytical approach and requires a really measured approach. Um, and it's like, I remember when we began Byte Masons, like, you know, we were just making decisions. We were just trying our best. We were small. There wasn't a ton at risk. Um, and now, like, you know, if we make a deci decision, we ensure, okay, we've got our risk management team taking a look at it. Our applied mathematician is taking a look at it. I'm, like, noodling into the spreadsheets, figuring out what to do. Um, and it is slower. And it is, like, not necessarily as fun. Um, but it gets results. And I think there's definitely, like, again, like a leap the foundation needs to make uh, in maturity um, and, and maybe publicize some of these uh, analyses. And, um, you know, a lot of DeFi protocols, they want to make a major change. You head onto their forums or you head somewhere and you have like 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 words uh, about their analysis and why they think it's going to be uh, a good decision. And I'm not saying we necessarily need that, um, but it is like something that would make us as builders on the chain uh, feel a lot better. Um, and it is, you know, I think it is a decision-making problem. And that's kind of going back to what I was saying last week. Like there are so many good people on the network to help make these decisions. So many mathematicians, so many business people, so many venture capitalists, whatever. A lot of which don't even like invest in the network that seriously just because the decision-making is so opaque. Treasury management is so opaque. Um, there are just glaring issues that need to be resolved if Phantom is going to bully its way into the top 20. Um, like we know, based on the tech, it can. Um, and, and they just need to, to get really serious. Um, so can I, I pick out a quick question? Good. So it, we've, we've, we've pointed out a lot of things, but I want to like, so as community members yourself, and I want to kick it to you guys, what would be, what would you feel comfortable seeing as an about face for the, you know, we, we take inventory in businesses. We've, oh, I've always taken inventory in my businesses. It's absolutely crucial to know what you have in stock and to know if some of the apples in the back that we thought were good have spoiled, right? That, that shit's important to know. You've got to have that data. But what would you guys say is a good solution to the problem that we just discussed, which really is, it's a, you know, unilateral decision-making. The community doesn't feel connected to the foundation and therefore we have a big a big gap between the two which is causing a lot of the issues that we're seeing does so anyone have suggestions I, I, yeah i, I ahead, think Nick. you know um have, having you know run companies before um and also been around um other folks who've run very large businesses you know the best leaders learn self-awareness right they learn 
um, what they're good at, what they're not good at. They take inventory to Austin's point um, and they kind of reflect on every decision they make and, and, and they constantly get better at making those decisions. At some point, you get to the level where you have a very refined system of understanding what decisions um, you have the highest probability of getting right and what decisions you might want to delegate to someone else who has more experience in that area. And you mentioned it earlier, Austin, around the growing pains for a startup. Um, you know, uh, uh, Phantom in August is different to Phantom six or seven months later. This is a huge business right now with thousands of people um, that work on chain um, and, and tens of thousands of people that are users. So what needs to happen is, you know, uh, number one, you need to recognize that not every decision you're going to make is going to nail it. That's fine, right? We all make mistakes. Um, uh, but the way that you move forward is diagnosing those problems and having the self-awareness to say, hey, I'm really bad at inventory management. I'm going to go hire a supply chain expert who's done this thing before for 20 years, and I'm going to delegate that to him. Um, you know, I'm old enough to remember that uh, in 2001, uh, Larry Page and Sergey Brin handed over the leadership of Google to Eric Schmidt, um, and, and Google turned out to be the, the, the best business ever built, right? Um, and maybe they could have done it on their own, but they recognised that they enjoyed doing a certain bucket of things and that running this huge multinational um, was not going to be one of them. So they brought someone in to do it. And he was the right guy for the job. He was a technologist. He was CEO of Novel. Um, and, you know, most people say, well, you can't get the best and the brightest to come and run your own company because they'll go run their own company, right? Uh, Eric Schmidt was $25 billion. He's like the 50th richest guy in the world. He didn't need to start his own company. He just needed to run it for these two guys. So you have to get, you know, you have to have that self-awareness, get the right people on the bus, um, and it can also go horribly wrong. Uh, you know, in the 80s, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, they ousted Steve Jobs and they gave the job to this guy who, who was the, the, the president of PepsiCo. Fucked the company up. Almost went <laughs> bankrupt 10 years later, right? You got a marketing guy and you had him take over Apple. So it's not all about bring people in. You have to have the awareness to understand who you should bring in, have the, you know, have the foresight to create those relationships and if you need help, bring it in. You know, Bebas keeps talking about hiring this guy and hiring that guy and, you know, and, and, and building a team. That's the right mentality to have because you can't do it on your own. I'm not, I'm not speaking to anyone in particular at the foundation or the foundation at all. This is just general business kind of, you know, uh, advice around as you grow, you need to understand that um, the business needs to change. And if that means shifting personnel around, you don't need to replace anyone or anything like that. You just need to beef up the team, right? Have yeah. a deep bench, um, put smart people in the room and then empower them to do their job, but also give them a voice so that they can contribute to some of these big decisions. And then what happens is you get it right more often than not. And over time, that team, like a professional sports team, or any other organization gets stronger, and, and, and that's how you win. And here's the downside. Chains or businesses or startups that don't do that will lose because this is a competitive environment. 
right? There are other chains, there are other places that are fighting for capital, fighting for developer talent, right? Um, you know, if you had a developer that was about to launch something on Phantom based on the incentives that they were going to get, now they're not going to get it. Do you think the other chains are knocking on their doors and saying, here's some money, why don't you come build on XYZ? Of course that's happening. So, you know, you don't do this for ideological purposes. You do it because you're trying to win. I digress. I, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in because I fully support everything you just said. Now, I, I want to give two very specific uh, recommendations because I have thought about this quite a lot over the last two weeks as it's been a huge topic in the community. But um, going back to the, the structure and resourcing you know, point that I kind of made earlier. So like in those two points, if there was a VP of, of protocol relations and enterprise partnerships, that could serve two functions. One, help service the protocols and, and probably alleviate a ton of the concerns that are being seen and spoken about on this on this show today. Uh, and also, you know, you see these other chains out developing enterprise level businesses to build on their tech. And I don't know if that's a facet of the current biz dev strategy. Um, and I think it's a huge miss if it's not, because you certainly see, you know, folks like AVAX out there doing those sort of things. So from a structural perspective, I think that could, you know, drive a massive amount of value. Hell, I would, I would love to do that job. So just FYI. Uh, secondarily, um, <laughs> resourcing. So the the only thing that I can say is like, because I've been in sort of mid-sized businesses, you know, massive ones, huge corporations, inefficient ones, all this shit. Um, the only constant is change. So particularly when you're in this sort of mid, you know, mid-tier of your life cycle, the only constant is change, and change is uncomfortable. So when you do this kind of like inventory of who's calling the shots, who's running the show, who are our employees, like are they comfortable with that change? Is that something that you know in their DNA and their fabric that they're comfortable with? And if they're not, you know, then that's a conversation that needs to be had. And and why are you not comfortable with change? Because we are now in a state that we have to change potentially the way we're doing things. Um, and so, you know, I think that those two things coupled together would be a massive uh, advancement for kind of where we are right now. And and you have to be flexible. And, and honestly, you need to be encouraging of change because that's kind of where we are right now in the life cycle. So it's, and that's, it's a big deal. I think, I mean, what you were just saying made me think of some of the like enterprise stuff that I've done in the past. And that is actually it, what you were just talking about reminds me of like being in the like Microsoft developer network or like you have an Apple developer license or whatever. You get early access to betas. You sort of know what's going on. You have time to test your software to make sure that it's working with like whatever's coming. Like that is sort of how you make sure that. And like, like I was saying earlier, I think a lot of it's communication. I don't necessarily know that like there needs to be a change at the top or the middle or the bottom or anything like that. But I, I do think just overall like communication, making sure that everyone's on the same page with like what what the goals are on the network, what types of applications are we really trying to develop or what are what would be like a thing that that's good for people to work together on to build collaboratively to push on the network and you know i mean personally i think having just seeing what some of the other networks are doing also is like having specific grant programs for specific things that they want to see on the network and then more general incentives to help other other people or in some cases there aren't incentives to do what whatever you're doing and like that's that is also just fine in a lot of cases but i think a lot of it just comes down to communication and knowing how to manage expectations and if everyone's working together it's a lot easier for everyone to be successful if if you know there's 
uh, protocols that are working collaboratively that coincide with advancements in technology on the phantom network and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's a problem at not, not any company or, or protocol specifically, but just like growth is often hard in terms of managing expectations, communication, keeping everyone on the same page. What would you guys say if I just had to like ask, if you had to guess, what are the top three most important things that the guys at Phantom want to accomplish? Like where, where should, what's the top three? Like user acquisition, uh, you know, cutting edge tech and, you know, helping double sharp not to have to wear a tie ever again or so, you know, some shit. Like what would you guys say is it, or maybe you could tell me from a user perspective or a builder perspective, what are your top three? Like, what are you looking to do? In this? I, I think, um, this is a question that kind of mirrors a lot of what we've been saying. It's like these top three goals are going to probably be the top three motivations for, uh, or, or the three motivations for like the three strongest people at the company. Like I know Quan wants the strongest tech because I see Quan in the developer chat. I, I see Quan chatting with people more than I see anybody in the foundation, which is like literally insane as their CTO. I know he wants the best tech and I know he really, really, really cares about it. His weird abstract tweets uh, kind of, <laughs> nobody's making those if they don't care. Um, <laughs> And and I think um, like John Morris and Simone, um, they want adoption more than anything else. Um, and and they like you know, I message Simone, I message John Morris sometimes. It's like everybody that works with them and they themselves want adoption and they want adoption in kind of a healthy organic way, which is awesome. And the problem I have is like, what is the third? There's like that that other camp. There's like, you know, the Kong, Chen kind of area where I don't think anyone really knows what their motivations are. And that should be like the big number three. Um, and of course, you know, it can be adoption. It can be, you know, price go up, whatever. Um, but that's that's kind of my issue because I've been thinking a lot about like, what does the foundation want? They are a private company the actions they're taking kind of confuse a lot of the earlier um, beliefs I had about their direction. Um, so what do they want? And I, and I think, again, that's like a communication issue. Like what's their mission? What is their real mission? If I had to guess, and this would just be, you know, so Quan CTO, Mike, who's, you know, Kong, who's obviously a tech guy. Um, there's a lot of tech guys. And I, and I believe, you know, I've heard it on more than one occasion, the tech will speak for itself. And I think we talked about this last week. Um, the unfortunate truth from a user adoption standpoint is tech is fungible because if the network is cheap and secure and easy to use, they don't care what it is. They're, they don't care that it's an ABFT that, you know, the nodes gossip between one another and the transaction is completely final after one block. Like that shit's really cool, but your average user just doesn't give a shit. And so like the, the tech will speak for itself mentality was a really positive one. Like when it was all about the tech, cause everyone was building, but now it's not. It's about what are we doing to put this tech into practical application in the world? 
And, yeah. and that's a different conversation. And so I think part of where maybe we're looking in the wrong direction is we have been looking towards, you know, the FVM, the rollout, it's going to get quicker. There won't be so many gas wars and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and all of that is awesome. But if I personally believe, and this is somebody who has been dedicating full-time hours every single day to support this network, I believe if our eyes are focused in the tech-centered way of growth, we will continue to trickle down the charts as the others continue to move up it. Yeah. I believe that's what will happen. Couldn't I, I could not agree more. And, and honestly, I go back to the same stuff. Tech is your roadmap. Be transparent on that. We've got this roadmap where it's, you know, we're going to hit these dates. The, the experience is only going to get better. Great. But it's, it's not going to like Solana has downtime all the time, but we're still what 20 X less market cap than they are. So if tech was the story or the, the silver bullet, then that would have probably been realized by now. Uh, Develop, the, the two I things mean, you can't give dates with like stuff that I know, exist, I know. Yeah, yeah, then people yeah, are just going to be like, but you said it was going to be on this date. Sure. And you're like, okay, we're researching things. And like, I mean, that's the issue with that. But I do still think, I, I think communication is like part of it. You don't have to give right. dates necessarily. I, 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 I totally I, agree. I think sharp. At that point, you can say, okay, if tech is the focus. Um, so, okay, Quan wants the best technology. It, let's say Kong and crew are also tech focused, but they are not the CTO. Can they be education focused? Can they be focused on making it the best developer experience? Um, I, I think that's like tech adjacent um, because uh -huh. if you're education focused, then the tech can kind of speak for itself without having to give dates. Because if people understand how complicated and innovative what you're doing is, they'll have a much greater appreciation for the time it will take to actualize these visions. And I think education is something like, Right now, I have people like researching, digging through the code of, you know, Lachesis and digging through their GitHub, digging through their white papers, everything, just so we can put out an article on Learn to teach people about Lachesis and all of this stuff. And this has been going on like for weeks. And it's it's like really complicated and it's kind of a really difficult effort. But again, if you can like boil all of this down to, okay, we are about the tech. So therefore, we're going to educate people about the tech and make people realize why this matters, why this technology matters. That's where the tech can speak for itself, because right now it has no voice. It has a voice to me. It has a voice to engineers. Um, and, you know, it's it's what's really attractive about the network. It's like, wow, these people understand what is needed for Ethereum developers and EVM developers and they're executing. But to the average person, the tech doesn't have a voice. It's not speaking. Um, and, and I think so, that's like really important. I, I, I mean, I think voice. the tech, I think the tech does have a voice. Like when people get here, they're like, Holy shit, this is an amazing experience. Like when I well, go back to other places, that, I'm like, I that's mean, US, though. The, that's the, not no, tech. People don't care why, why they had that experience. You might I, I know. Point. Not like, necessarily my point. I'm saying that once people use the technology, they understand why it's different and they understand how it's different. I'm saying that if you want to get the next 1 million users to Phantom, that is rooted in education. And the one thing, the one area that no layer one has had any leg up or hand up or taken the, 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 like the crown in is educating people on how to use blockchain, what is, you know, how to get into DeFi. Like, the foundation has 450,000 followers on Twitter. Like they have a massive voice and presence. Like if you can actually create a platform for education that runs many, many layers deeper and people 
their journey in crypto starts with Phantom because of this education. That's how you get the next million users to start to bridge over. Like, I, I just well, think there's uh, an opportunity there. I sort of disagree because, like, I know that I I can tell when I talk to even like some of my friends that they don't care about what I'm talking about because I think like such and such blockchain thing is cool and like they don't. And like, that's sort of where I think a lot of this does come down to user experience. Where like the reason that I wanted to build on Phantom originally is when I used it, I was like, this is a much better user experience. I, I personally think the underlying technology and stuff is cool, but for making a user facing product, it's a more enjoyable experience and more people are going to like using whatever I build on it. And like, I think that having people understand that it's different and like, why you're able to do some things is important but i like i would like i think part of it is with i mean going back to one of the original questions like i personally was kind of felt like i was trying to divine what the focus was on and so the incentives program was focused on tvl and gamefi the gamefi incentives were impossible to reach but like it was apparent that they wanted to attract like some huge gamefi uh, app from some other network is what it seemed like, or grow DeFi and TBL on the network. So those seem to be like, I, I just sort of assumed that that was the focus of um, development on Phantom, especially with all the like history and the, uh, the sort of built-in sense and things like that on the network. That, that was sort of what I assumed the focus of the applications that the foundation wanted to be developed was. But then now I like, think part of it also is that it is, to me at least, a little unclear, like how how should the technology be used? And I do think the, the Gitcoin grant programs do sort of illustrate more like a general, like a desire for there to be uh, more, more general applications on the network, not necessarily just DeFi or uh, GameFi and like whatever that ends up being. Like they, they're using game theory to support what they want in the network. But I also, I mean, the danger there is that there's not a clear direction. It's just sort of like throwing things up. And if people happen to catch on to a cool idea and fund it, it gets developed. But I think it would be good to sort of know like where the focus of development, like who are you trying to attract to the network is. Well, and I want to point out something. If you go on Twitter on pretty much any given day and you start reading posts with the phantom cash tag. Now, a lot of them are going to come from our own community, right? Which is great. You're also going to find a very large community of people that just love to hate on phantom. They just, they just love to do it. And my feeling is they love to do it because they have their other layer one that they're the most proud of, because that's the one that got to them first. They jumped on, they made friends, they joined the community and that's their, that's their one. Right. But uh, what I'm, most afraid of is that the way that these other layer ones are very, very, very focused on business development. What's happening is that little barrier between us and the rest of the world that's attracting new users is not really being breached in the way that it could be. Because as soon as something, an opportunity becomes available on the other side of that barrier, the other guys are just coming and snatching it right up because they have eyes on the prize in the business development side. And so if nobody ever comes over to use the tech, the tech really can't speak for itself. It just yeah. can't. And and I, you know, if I drive a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, like they both they go fast and they're pretty 
and I don't know what's under the hood. And you could tell me it's got X, Y, Z and this cool ass thing. And I don't understand cars that well. And I certainly don't understand development. Um, and so none of that's really going to like get my nipples that hard as, as just your average user, you know? And I think it's easy, correct me if I'm wrong, cause I'm not of the developer community, but like, I think it might be easy for developers to get in kind of a swirl of, of developer talk that really does make sense to them, but really is not translating to the outside world. And with all good I intentions. Good. Go ahead. I, I, I think there's, there's a few things. First of all, um, the tech versus UX versus education versus et cetera, et cetera, discussion is somewhat moot in my mind. You need all of it. You need all of it. It's all important. It's all equally important for the reasons that have been outlined um, by all of you. If you don't have good UX but the best tech, you're going to lose. You know, I, I think I remember that, you know, the iPhone was not the first smartphone. It wasn't even the best tech, right? It was always slower than the Androids, but it had the best UX. It also had a fantastic brand behind it, but the mm -hmm. brand was built on something. So that's the first thing. We can chew gum and walk at the same time. All of these efforts need to be built out concurrently. And if, if Justin at the Bite Masons can do it, where education and he's building tech and he's training, you know, that's a little microcosm of what a layer one should be doing. Should be doing it, all of these things. So that's the yep. first thing. The second thing is, um, you know, and, and in my opinion, you know, something like the foundation, not necessarily the Phantom Foundation, but if you think about how this would work or how this should work in an optimal way, you would have a pyramid, right, where you'd have the foundation at the top managing a huge treasury. And the foundation's job would be to empower the people that can build cool shit so people can use it, right? So in my mind, the foundation should be a B2B organization. It should not have a retail presence. You shouldn't be seeing a Phantom logo on a Formula 3 car, right? You don't use Phantom. You use Beethoven, Reaper, NFTs, PaintSwap. You use these things. So in my view, you'd have the foundation sitting at the top, um, funding development, funding innovation, funding education, funding the tech, um, and working with those builders to try and win the war. Then it's up to the protocols to attract users. They're in the B2C space. So the way it appears to me now from the outside looking in is the Phantom Foundation is trying to do all of that. It's trying to be B2B. It's trying to be B2C. And, you know, by all accounts, it, it, it's lacking in, in various pockets of that equation. Um you know, in a perfect world, the way that I would set it up is the Fandom Foundation would deal with 50 people in the community that were building stuff. That's it. And they would focus all of their energy on building the tech and empowering those that can build the tech. Leave everything else, right? Leave the B2C component to the people that can go hire social media managers and marketing managers and meme lords, et cetera, et cetera. That's how I would build it if I started from scratch. <laughs> And that's how, I mean, that is how Microsoft sort of does it too. Like there is still the Microsoft logo or the Windows logo on things, but like it was, it's like not necessarily, like they were mostly marketing to, um, you know, other other companies and other developers to develop on their platform because that's the, the touch point to all of the users. 
Yeah, and so, it's like if, if they need a narrative at that point, if they need a B2C narrative, and they're in touch with all of these protocols that have this hugely wide reach across all these business domains, then all they need to do is say the word. All they need to do is make a newsletter that says, hey, this is what we're focusing on this month. And even if you don't explicitly say, hey, guys, focus on this, just naturally, those ideas are going to percolate um, and, and get out there. So I totally agree with that, Nick. I think like right now you can tell the foundation is really abstracted from the user, the core user. <clears throat> And, you know, they need to understand that and understand that, you know, maybe their place isn't trying to get people on, on Phantom. Their place is trying to get developers on Phantom who will get people on Phantom. Echoing exactly. what you're saying. Because MetaMask, you just hit switch network and then you get there. Like people do not give a hell about what the network is. It's they're going to the apps. They're going to the dApps. They're going to the, you know, various pieces of technology that are being put out by people like us. And they're just hitting switch network. They don't care that much. If there's money on the network, then great. If not, they hit up a bridge. And all of this is not the Phantom Foundation's problem. All of us are thirsty for these users. All of us are marketing to get these users. All of us are trying to reach outside of kind of the Phantom bubble uh, to get these users for them. Um, and if they can enable that, then their job's taken care of. Really, at that point, they become capital allocators, advisors, kind of thought leaders, uh, which seems like they want to be. Um, and, you know, technology developers, which is kind of the most exciting thing uh, for, for us developers. And um, that is like a really, a really good point, Nick. Um, yeah. So one, one thing I want to add that expands on what Nick just said. So, you know, if you look at the, the kind of the, the rise of Phantom, I mean, it's been a grassroots community, you know, self-funded projects, not a lot of VC backing, but we've talked about all that stuff. Um, but that was all rooted in, and we've said it here, in the grant program itself, right? So if the now feeling is that, you know, these protocols on Phantom need to be self-sufficient and need to come up with a way to maintain their own business without, you know, the help of the Phantom Foundation, then that's fine. Because as Nick said earlier, they don't owe anybody anything. Like there's a lot of like, oh, what is the foundation doing? Like they need to be doing more. Like in reality, they need to be building out Phantom as good as, you know, with the best tech they can. And that's really their job. Um, and so that's, that's that. But with that said, if you look at near, I have a friend, I have a, like a friend who, you know, is, he's in like near and ABAX. If you look at what those folks are doing, um, he's been to two investor only events. You know, if we're talking about bringing new money into the ecosystem, if you're going to get away from the grassroots kind of thing um, and get into this, like we want, you know, self-sufficient businesses or whatever, whatever the case may be, then you better start doing some serious, you know, professional biz dev with large scale investors to bring in new dollars. It's just, you can't, you can't, you can't do both. And there's gotta be a decision made. Um, and there's gotta be planning around that decision. And I think that's what is escaping me a bit is like, what is the plan? Well, and you mentioned something about your <clears throat> friend, uh, quote unquote, who's probably you, I'm just kidding, uh, going to uh, these investor conferences. And you know, you look at these newer protocols like Near and whoever else, and you gotta remember like, they're just getting going. It's exciting. It's yep. fun. They're chucking money at it like it's, you know, like it's nothing. Now, here's the key. Like it was that same feeling was completely present on Phantom. And you know how you keep that feeling going? You delegate and you get new blood who are new, who are newly excited, who are not burnt out after years of doing this, who are ready to run with the freaking ball. And yeah. that's like AVAX. 
I keep referring back to them, not because like I think they're so great, but I do think they have a structure in place that is very good that will take them further. I don't know anything about Solana. I've never done anything on Solana. I've only been on AVAX once to shoot a, a bridging video. But but these are all the things that I've been made aware of from various parties yep. over over a while, you know? Yep. So it wasn't it wasn't me that went. But the, the person that I do I'm know just that kidding, you go, dude. I, I've seen your portfolio. I know what you got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the person that I did know, the feedback that I got was that the AVAX conference gave him Google-esque vibes. And that is a pretty endearing way to leave a, a thing like that. Like that means shit was really well run and really well thought out. And so I guess I guess what I'm saying is, you know, pick pick your course and then execute it really, really well. Um, yeah. And it could be and it could be both, right? You don't have to do one or the other. And it probably sh it should be both. And the thing is, so. the foundation doesn't like like you guys all brought up such good points. They truly do not owe anyone anything. But to your point of us having similar goals, it's really not about them going and hiring fifty or sixty people. It's about them finding two or three people that know how to do that job and giving them full authority to go do it with trust. Yep. And that that really, I think, has been. Like I see, look, I have to stick up for Simone for this dude shit talking to him in the comments over here. Yeah. He is one, he is one of not only the best human beings you're ever going to meet, but like such an asset to this yep. company and, and to, to what we've been trying to do and what I make up, I have no evidence about this, but what I make up is that Simone wants to do many, many things that don't make it through top brass, I believe. Simone I, I is almost like, uh, again, He's like awesome. the focus of Simone, I don't think is business to, to consumer, but uh, he like, I would go so far as to say him and like his kind of department are almost holding this network together uh, to a certain extent, as far as the relationships between developers and the foundation itself. Like that is the only person that any of us can ever talk to. Um, and that's not even his job. Um, so it is like, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to get too far into it. And I am really kind of excited about question two. Uh, question number two. I, I, I was going to say, this, this will be an easy uh, one for me to bookmark because there's only uh, one So I don't have to even worry about what happens after this. I'll just. We're only an hour. And, yeah, you'll be easy on the timestamps yeah. this time. Bro. I think we yeah, did touch on like everything. Like, we we really had a question coming out of last part. Austin, you should almost just roll through what the topics are because I think that we did touch on. <sighs> we did. Let's talk. All right. I'm going to run through what the topics are. If you guys love one of them, put Fanny's drop panties in the chat and let me know which shit. That's probably not going to work. I don't know how we're going to do that. I'm just going to run through them. Here, here are some questions that we picked out as being like the most relevant. And then maybe we can cycle back to one or two of these. Since I think we answered. You, you see how long we've been going on. All right, so the next one is how can Phantom create new demand drivers outside of DeFi, which I like that one. I was ready to jump into that one on the next one. Uh, could Phantom be the chain of choice for complete beginner DeFi users? What area is Phantom lacking in that has been preventing big money inflows into our ecosystem? Does it really boil down to VCs to pump the chain? What angle does Phantom have to give it inherent uniqueness in the face of many competing L1 networks? Other networks may have bigger budgets. Is Gitcoin funding a dilemma? How will the quadratic funding work? What do projects need to get ready for this? What are the potential positive outcomes of an FUSD resurrection and a takeover by Lafayette and Deus? 
what are the best avenues for community voices to be heard by the foundation? I like that one. Yeah. How to mitigate losses in a dump, which is is a good one, but it's kind of like one of our normal show topics. All right, good uh, well, the, yeah, Beavis does all of his thinking while taking a dump. What is ABFT and DAG? What makes ABFT and DAG superior to competing systems? Uh, the uniqueness question, I agree with you, Keith, NCS. Uh, and how should governance be handled for increased engagement? So if I were going to like like pick uh, one that I lightning round, I would say the first one is you know um, how can Phantom create new demand drivers outside of DeFi? Very very easy. Do the exact same thing that they've been doing all this time to attract demand to DeFi. You right. just use the same strategy but target it to a different audience, whether it's NFTs, whether it's games, whether it's the next big thing. That's it. You don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? Dude, All NFT projects is- need funding, dude. Sorry to interrupt, but dude, NFT artists are so thirsty and there are so many talented people on Phantom, like, and they get nothing. Like PaintSwap, the biggest NFT exchange, gets nothing because they had no TVL. And as much as we're hurting, just imagine NFT projects, you know, imagine GameFi projects. Sorry to interrupt, Nick. Uh, you were huh, kind of going. That was off good. There, but yeah, people no, reach no, out no. to me all the time about this. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I agree. But I mean, you know, in at the end of August last year, it was announced that all these DeFi projects were going to be funded. That's what I meant about doing the same thing across yeah. all the different verticals where you would like to attract talent. Because if you don't okay. attract the talent, then you're not going to get the users. So that model works, right? Yeah. Um. And, and it remains to be seen what the new incentives rollout looks like. It's somewhat vague at this point, but, but those questions will be answered. But, you know, th- there's no silver bullet to how you get demand. You fund the people that are going to create that demand, to oh, Justin's yeah. point. Uh, totally. I think it's a great great segue into the to the Gitcoin funding dilemma, that, or at least the way the, the community posed it. But to your point, Nick, I also think this could be solved by having one, like, uh, like we'll talk about whether Gitcoin is the answer or not, I think, but like this could also be solved by just having one person who runs a division that says, okay, great. You're an NFT project. Here are our requirements. Here's how funds can be used. Here's how allocation works. Having a built out system that isn't just this, like, we're just going to dump money at you. Cause we all know in this space that people are going to flood in and do, you know, with bad intentions and we've seen it happen. So the original rollout had its flaws. It doesn't mean that it needs to be abandoned. It just needs to be revised, managed, and then effectively executed with a strategy and with guidelines. And that has to include GameFi. It's got to include NFTs. And and there's got to be a pretty you know straightforward way that you could you know come up with the. I mean, look, it could be fixed. Let's put it that way. And if it is, I mean, really, like the world is your oyster at that point. You can open up to can, all kinds I, of different. Can I just throw out a ahead, somewhat of a crazy idea um, sure. that I haven't seen done yet? Um, one of the most popular shows. On, on TV around the world is Shark Tank, right? And 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 this is entrepreneurs that get up on stage um, and they present their idea and they look for funding, right? Um, what if there was a foundation-funded um, effort that looked something like that where mm. you could stream these presentations, <laughs> right? Um, That's awesome. You, you know, you, you'd get viewership because it's entertaining, whether you're an investor or not. It'd be fun. It would give the opportunity for people to highlight their skills, um, <laughs> and 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 you would, you know, and 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 you would stack the deck with a panel of six people, 
that that you know understand uh, the businesses that happen to be pitched, whether it's NFTs, whether it's DeFi, and all these different things. And now you've created you know a way to fund projects. You've created free marketing for the network. Um, it's entertaining, and you now have a pathway for anyone who wants to you know uh, 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 improve their life to do it on Phantom. You can't do it on any other chain. And, and they'll copy it, but that's fine. If you did it first, that might be a really, you know, a, a really fun way to solve some of these issues. And it doesn't need to be for three hundred million dollars, right? So put aside five mil. When I had it. my call with with Mike and John, John brought up something similar. Now it wasn't to be televised, but it was, and I can't. It was like Google moonshots that maybe they did, where like you bring them your most crazy tech innovations and what they're looking for is the next like thousand X moonshot. That's so I forget what the hell he called it, but that sounds similar to like what you're talking about, except put a camera on it, which is like a fucking badass idea. (laughs) I think it's cool. Yeah. This is is like the challenge I think with the new incentives program is like you're, I mean, it's like taking people who have like who are developers and being like, okay, also now run a marketing campaign maybe. It, like it is, yeah. it's like you have like more stuff to do. So it is like figuring out the marketing side of it, I think is challenging. And like ideas like that are kind of creative in terms of like and, making it entertaining and in front of people and like helping provide some of that exposure. Yeah, you get, you get so much exposure, you know, it becomes entertaining. It becomes a people's chain, right? You know, you could market the hell out of this thing. And, and the reason you need the camera on is not for that short-term bump the entertainment bump, is that now you've got documented evidence of, you know, the next Justin Bieber's, right, in a goofy T-shirt that can't present his project, gets funding, and seven years later becomes a master of the universe, right? That happened on Phantom. You've got the footage. So if you think about legacy and kind of, you know, moving through the years, what that looks like, you've then built a brand. Right. Yep. And, and and part of that brand is the IP of the show. This is not new, right? This happens all day in, 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 in the real world. This is how you, you know, kind of build a brand over time. And then you go back in history and you can point to these things. And here's the beauty of it. It's not very expensive at all. Zoom call. Mm-hmm. Dude, Nick, if they're not open to this idea, I am. And yeah, we should dude. chat about it after the show because yeah, you might have you might have just nailed something really good. Hey guys, I want to I want to hit a couple of comments real quick because I think they're very um, they're worth talking about. So, uh, yeah, Forrest says we we need <laughs> we need greater networking. Why are we not being represented at conferences? We are. Mike speaking at cons- consensus. Myself and Clay are speaking at consensus on behalf of Phantom. So is Double Sharp. Bebus uh, can't go because of a wedding. I I believe I heard him say. Which I'm marrying for everybody. Sister. He's marrying his I'm sister. Official. The next comment: <laughs> uh, Did Austin uh, talk to the foundation? What was their response from the stuff last week? What I, I did, I spoke with Mike and I spoke with John. I laid out what I believe are the the most immediate threats. The most immediate threat that I see is that uh, other networks are coming to poach our most core projects, and they're doing so because lack of funding, down market. Which here's what that'll look like. Let me just point out why this is such a bad, bad thing, right? Because you might say, well, every project has the right to go cross chain. They sure do. They absolutely do, man. Uh, and and if 
that when they go cross chain, which all of them should at some point, if they're being funded by the next chain, then that's the chain that they're beholden to. And that's the chain that they have some obligations to. And that's the chain that's going to get first dibs on new tech. And that sentiment will permeate through their communities and it will spread like a cancer. So to their credit, they heard me. Uh, and I was super, super, super excited and encouraged when I got off of that phone call with those guys. And I, I just want to like give them a huge shout. Hopefully that has gone further than the call that we had. Uh, I have two more questions. So hang on. What do you guys think about the recent Alex Beast Lorian allegations, which mm. ties into the next one? Talk about the rumor that the foundation gave a loan to Tomb to avoid liquidation. Please tell me it's not true. All right. Wayfender is actually, going, by the way. Well, is he? I don't know who he is, but but he brings up a good point in that. So when rumors, when there's when there's lack of forthright communication, upfront, out ahead of it communication. It allows, it produces a breeding ground for misinformation, for rumors, for, uh, you know, oh, we're going to go sleuth it out ourselves because they haven't actually told us what's going on. And it creates a lot of stuff. Now, to Alex and uh, Beast Laurent's credit, who I spoke to actually after he made that post, um, I believe they both have good intentions in what they posted. And I believe they both posted what they believe to be factual things that they mean in no malicious way. And I believe that wholeheartedly about both of them. Um, I was I was alerted, as was many other people, that yes, $10 million was uh, loaned to Harry to uh, prevent a liquidation. He didn't end up needing it. What ended up happening was he was on a plane flying to New York because he was doing a Bloomberg interview and price was going down in bottom line. And I think that taken in isolation, let's say nothing else had ever happened. Like it was just fucking rainbows and unicorn farts up until that point. And they decided to do that, which Harry promised them a, uh, some interest in return, right? So you could see it as an investment. Uh, I think taken by itself would probably not have been a big deal, but I think taken in conjunction with everything else makes it just another cloak and dagger thing that was not forthright, was not told to us. Like the wrecked article was a largely bullshit, but like, I think that happened as a result of lack of communication. <laughs> like, like come out, talk about this shit, like tell us what you're doing. And, and it would really help a lot with this stuff. So I just wanted yeah. to point those out. Let's keep going. Well, I, I mean, I, I know I'm sort of repeating things, but like they are a business, they are supposed to be making money as a business, or I would hope that they're trying to make some money. And so like doing things like protecting the network and covering somebody's position because of extenuating circumstances for a profit is their business decision to make. And I think that's Definitely. fine, but Definitely. I like, I think getting ahead of it and just like saying like, this is, this is what happened. Like, even if people don't like it, it does sort of prevent conspiracy theories and people like trying to fill in all the gaps and figure things out. Um, you know, and it, it does. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of this for me, it just, it does come down to communication, which is, like fixable and, and you know i think the the a lot of the confusion is just based on people like trying to dig into things and maybe not understanding like what they're looking at like the for example the i guess i i oh, said i was going to explain it so maybe i'll do it really quick but the whole like <laughs> phantom gas has always been burned thing um in the sfc contract which is was like deployed in the genesis block for the opera network 
um, when when it's calculating rewards, it actually removes thirty percent of the reward uh, that that comes from the gas being spent. So it's not actually it's never minted and then burned. It's just like removed from the rewards that are being emitted, which ends up having the same effect on the supply. I think people are confused because like the name of the variable is contract commission and it it's you know how it's used in the code isn't necessarily super intuitive and it's not like called out with a comment so people like heard that this was happening but then didn't actually see it in the code and that you know there's stuff like that that's just a little um it's just a communication breakdown and so people like started thinking it wasn't true and you know, post on Twitter and all that stuff when it's, it was just, it's in the code. It was just unclear. And like the website went up, there wasn't clear communication about what, what it meant or, you know, a breakdown of how they've been burned the whole time and why it's not the number of transactions that matter. Uh, it's how much people are paying for gas. So um, with all of the liquidations that were happening, bots were willing to spend a lot more on gas to, to figure out what the price should be across exchanges. And unlike a human who looks at that and is like, why would I punch in 800 million for way for gas? Like that seems crazy. A bot is just looking at this and doing math and trying to beat out other bots. And if they get a little bit of profit, they're willing to bid the gas way up. So, um, Uh you know, those crazy gas has led to a lot more. Shark Tank would solve all of this. (laughs) I've got a, um, so so my, my point on the Harry thing is it's a private company. It's their money. They can do what they want with it. That's number one. Number Absolutely. two is, is, and this is where experience in decision-making, experience being under pressure comes in, right? That's an opportunity. That was a missed opportunity to come out ahead of time and say the network's under threat. This is why we don't condone this behavior. We're going to loan this guy $10 million to save us all, and then you become the hero, right? Mm-hmm. Not the villain. Bingo. And, Bingo. And, 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 if, and, and if you had seasoned operators in the room or you listened to seasoned operators, you would have got to that conclusion real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, and the fact that they didn't get there um, is the concern. It's the decision-making process um, is, is, needs work because um, that's a missed opportunity, you know, and, oh, yeah. and, 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 and if, if, if you sat around a room with, you know, six, seven smart individuals, you get there in seven seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, guys, uh, real quick. My mom's visiting, and I just walked out to get this Lacroix, and she's got her earbuds in with her iPad out watching our show. I just wanted to let y'all know. My mom's What's watching up, mom? our show. Hey mom. <laughs> <laughs> mom. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it, it's it's uh, definitely like PR. Like going back to, for example, like when we lost two million dollars in our Scream Crypt, um, like. When something like that happens, if you can't figure out how to turn it into a positive, it's going to crush your business. And this happens to the foundation over and over and over again. Like every mistake is a learning experience. Every mistake is an opportunity to do better. And if you can't make that very clear and you can't take these events and turn them into positive PR opportunities, um, then that's like a massive, massive, massive decision-making problem. Um, and you that that just tells me that there's nobody with a green light on the PR side. There's nobody that is like totally about the brand and totally willing to live and die for Phantom that they just trust to, you know, maybe tweet out like, yo, we're about to save the network and then like do a full <laughs> mortem on the, on the 10 the mil. Superman like, meme. 
Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> you know, it's um, it is it is would have been great. Problem. Totally, it dude. It, I would have been so pumped. I would have been like, uh, dude, yeah. PRP, you know. <laughs> I mean, man. every you know? every episode, I I write copious amounts of notes to like collect myself and figure out what what the hell am I do I want to convey here. But in this chicken shit handwriting right here, it says not when marketing, when PR. And that is, I think the, you know, it really like, I'm not kidding. Like I've like lost sleep this week, like thinking about all of the different things that are part of, you know, this larger narrative that we're talking about. But that is a, that's a real legitimate thing. Like every major corporation, big, you know, well, not maybe small, but big ones have a PR team. And a lot of this goes back to PR and that's, and marketing and PR are two totally different things. Um, And there's, you know, to Nick's point, it's a huge opportunity. And investors pay attention to that, right? Because you look at that and you say, okay, you know, there's there's a put under the price of FTM. If, if push comes to shove, these guys are going to step in and help. That's bullish, right? Oh, yeah. It can't go to zero in that world. <laughs> so as an investor, you look at that, you know, I think I gave the example on, a, on the previous show about when, when, when Dr. Liquid publicly said, I'm going to put my own money in to get the peg back. Buy right yep um same situation instead now it's like the foundation tried to cover it up or they're in cahoots with harry when their intentions were by all accounts um you know uh, genuine and yeah. it, you know it, 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 it it's you've got to get the decision right and that's why i said earlier i don't think there's a communication issue i think it's a decision making issue if you make the right decision communication becomes really easy because you scream yeah. it from the rooftops Right, yeah. communication and PR becomes hard when you cover things up. You don't sell the truth. You think no one's going to notice. You know, people notice, and you have to explain yourself at some point. Um, so, you know, to 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 Bebus's point, they're all learning experiences. It's a, you know, it, it's a young business. It's a young executive team, and and my hope is that they they take these they, these events as uh, you know uh, in their stride, and then they do better next time. Like we all do. And then, yeah. you know, dude, ever, <laughs> I've never once that I can recall felt like competent at doing what I've been doing for the last year. I've always kind of felt that everyone else I'm interacting with has a much better idea of how to do this than I do. Right. And that's, I think that maybe one of, maybe a strength, uh, that may be a strength of mine in that, you know, the, the, the size of this show continues to grow because there continues to be really worthy people that have a voice that should come on and share those opinions. Whether I agree with them or not, it doesn't really matter. But that's kind of like in, I don't want to say a democratic society, that's kind of a stupid way of putting it, but like in a society where we want to flesh out the best path forward in support of our goals, which in this case, my goal is entertainment and education. Those are pretty much the goals on this show. Like that's what we've been looking for. Uh, in pursuit of that, there's going to be a lot of people that can contribute to that. And on the Phantom Network, we are. Y'all know who Eckhart Tolle is? I'm probably going to butch this, but like Eckhart Tolle, is a great author. Like he has a book called The Power Now, and he starts his book by talking about this homeless guy that's sitting in a box and on top of a box in Central Park, and he's been sitting on this nasty old raggedy box for 30 years. And finally, one guy comes by and says, "Hey, have you ever looked in the box?" And he says, "No, it's just this." old raggedy shitty box and he looks in the box and it's full of gold and he's been sitting on it the whole time and he never had any clue because he never looked inside to see if it had what he needed 
And that is what we're sitting on. We're sitting on a box full of fucking gold. And if, if, yeah. if any, and these are people that love the phantom network would live and die this network if given the opportunity and they're not being tapped. And, and that is, I think one of the biggest unfortunate drawbacks that we're experiencing right now is that all these problems have solutions. And we have enough manpower and mind power and genius within this network to produce the best solutions. And we don't have the bankroll that Solana has or maybe that AVAX has. So we've got to get more creative in the way that we go about these things, which means we need more heads on the problem, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, and it's not more like we're seeing a leader because yeah. someone needs to make decisions and good decisions right more heads With isn't always the solution here. <laughs> I mean, austin to your point i think the beautiful part is we're not sitting here having a post-mortem that phantom went to zero we did not we just we just went through a 40 million dollar liquidation on chain and we are living to tell the story and like i think that speaks to You're right back and a lot yeah. of other things but the really nice part is it's not too late to to like course correct or do or look in the box and, and find the gold, yeah. whatever, however you want to do it. But to your point, I think the, the, the biggest point here is that there's so many talented people in this community, um, so many people that care deeply about sort of the outcome of fans and want to contribute, um, whether it's... Uh, yeah. So Urban my, Dictionary my Box. Is, okay. Urban Dictionary Box. Sorry, Mom. Uh, <laughs> leverage those people was my point it's not too, like it's not too late like we just went through a pretty catastrophic event and there's an opportunity to to really make change uh and and a lot of times these kind of events lead to a greater good and i think that's that's the message that's what the should the message of the show should be which is this is an opportunity to lead to greater good can i can i ask i want to pose this to the justins real quick and could we I, I don't want to get into what quad, quadratic funding is, but I do want to get into why you believe the general sentiment, I believe the sentiment is that most, if not all of the developers on Phantom are unhappy about the pivot that the, the incentive program took. Could you guys explain why that seems to be the permeating sentiment? And whoever wants it, Justin. I mean, gonna go first. I think flexing, I, bro. Double like the, I think one big issue with it is that it's on Ethereum. It's not on Phantom. So, um, if you have a project on Ethereum and wanted to get incentives to bring it, um, you can do that really easily. To if you already have a user base, or even like who knows what you end up doing with the funds. I don't know how gameable it is. Like, can somebody just? vampire tack our incentives on ethereum using their project i don't really know but like figuring out how to get your users to bridge to ethereum and pay bridging fees and then pay gas fees to make donations to get an unknown amount of of matching again it, it, it comes back to the volatility and uncertainty and like you, it's hard to plan for the future if you're like well how many users are actually going to want to bridge and pay like whatever that fee is if they don't have ethereum and then uh, you know, pay the transaction fees, like how much are you actually losing and matching and gas fees on Ethereum? Um, yeah. And then like it, because it is, you're sort of, without getting into like the details, because it's, it's complicated, but there are like, it's, it is gamified. So you are sort of competing with other people for a share of, of it. And like, if you don't do as good of a job as somebody else, it, it, um, it like partially brings like marketing into it, not just having, 
a good idea. And it's it just it's kind of challenging to figure out exactly how to promote your project, especially on Ethereum. Like, it, yeah, I think the path is a little unclear of like how you do that. Yeah, I mean, I started off like my professional like EtherSec career as like a Gitcoin uh, kernel fellow, you know. Um, so did the rest of our founders. So did a lot of our team members. Um, I'm about quadratic funding. I think it's awesome. I think it is not the solution that is needed here. Um, one, it, it's designed to be uber democratic. It's designed to give a lot of the uh, DD responsibilities to a community um, to make sure that the right stuff is being funded. But one, it is gamified, which means as larger protocols, as people who are spending the hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to keep Phantom popular, that means we need to devote weeks and weeks of man hours doing like the song and dance, trying to get people to bridge funds to Ethereum and actually vote for us and actually donate the dollar or donate whatever amount of money. Um, and, and quadratic funding, it's basically like Phantom has these funds and they're allocated based on the volume of uh, donations any particular people get. So now you're like, okay, users are the ones donating now and how quadratic funding works, it's like your vote is like a dollar or two dollars or three dollars. On Ethereum, a one dollar donation is, you know, sixty dollars, thirty dollars, depending on where gas is at the moment. Um, and like really my issue is people are on Phantom because they cannot afford these prices because they need a democratic system. And Ethereum right now is not democratic. It is uh, I guess whatever, it's like an aristocracy almost. Um, it's like you have a voice if you have enough money to have that voice. And so many of our community members are cut out. And the people who are best served now are the people who came over from Ethereum, not Phantom Native Project. So we're on Phantom. We would be able to step in and be like, we have all these users. We have all this growth. We have all this focus on the Phantom network. We have all this loyalty. Now that's useless. Curve could probably drum up more votes than we could for these Phantom Foundation incentives. Like all these Ethereum projects that already have Ethereum users who are already very rich and have been around for a very long time can do this. And then two, there's like, because it's gamified, now there's the incentive to bribe people um, to vote for you or to subsidize their gas costs. And now like we need to, again, do this song and dance, play these games waste so much of our thought and our, our strength on figuring out how we can actually get funding out of this. Um, and that to me is like a massive problem. Um, and it's like the same thing, you know, again, not to beat a dead horse, but it's like the same issue that we had with Solidly, where it's like, okay, here's this gamified thing. Now we need to divert our attention to spending a month, spending, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of man hours trying to satisfy the requirements of this so that we can go on as a business and so that we can be competitive broadly on the, on the chain. Um, and this is the same thing. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's really not a solution to the problems that we're facing. And as someone who's working on really serious things, not only on behalf of the foundation, but on behalf of DeFi, on behalf of the broader community and network, it's like telling me, hey, this isn't as important as whatever this little gamified incentive song and dance is. Um, and, and it's like really frustrating. And it's probably the most frustrating thing, especially because it's not on Phantom. Um, that is like, 
my two what's cents. The reason it's on ETH. What's the what, so what be I the actually to have this, it on ETH? this question was brought up, and they asked the Gitcoin guys to come deploy on Phantom, and their response was, from what I was told, that it took them seven months to deploy on Arbitrum, and it would probably take them an equal or greater amount of time. I don't know why uh, to deploy on Phantom, and so that is why. And here it is. And, and I want to move on. I want to touch on a few more topics because we are really getting like, we're getting up there. And I think I want to start winding this sucker down if we possibly can. But this one stood out to me. And what I'm looking for here in this are what are potential solutions, right? So what, what are the best avenues for community voices to be heard by the foundation? How do they outsource feedback? And I have found out or I've come to my own conclusion that there is that community sentiment is there's it's just not felt in the same way by the foundation because the foundation is not plugged in to the community in a way that would transmit that properly. Now, I do think there are ways of correcting that. Uh, there, it would be probably to put, you know, a chief community communications officer in place or or somebody who had the ability to go higher and then put 10 people on the network whose sole job would be to read the pulse of the network and to bring back opportunities and to bring back threats to uh, and sentiment to the, to the foundation. Uh, and I feel like there's a huge opportunity there to not just mend fences with developers, but really create, you know, we, for a while, does, can anyone tell me what our claim to fame was when somebody asked you, what's so great about Phantom? Go back three, four months. What was the number one thing that everyone said? Community. Community. Thank you. That was the thing that everyone was screaming from. Thank you, Clay. <laughs> screaming from the rooftops. Community. 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 The VE NFTs come out. VDAO comes in, who I've gotten to know since then, and they're really great guys. Like everyone who shit on them was a complete asshole. Um, and sorry if it was somebody on the stream. And then, and then we had the Oxdow drama and we had the like, let's blart or whatever the fuck. And like, that was a huge clash. It showed a side of our community that unfortunately exists, but never had a stage. And that, that part of our community was once it was then given a stage. Right. And then it was, you know, this launch and all these various projects were putting development hours in and like like it was it was a crazy time but that brought that part of our community out and there was a fracture a fracture happened from that day forward and 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 i kind of saw it happening then and now what we have is we have strong little communities like the liquid driver community is super super strong and the spooky swap community is strong and the reaper community is super strong right but but that whole like we're working for the benefit and raising up of phantom, which is what it was because our, our leadership was doing that. And when I say leadership, I mean, spooky swaps posts were all about, here's why phantom is the best to build on. Spirit was doing the same thing. I assume Reaper was doing the same thing, right? And that was happening. I haven't seen those posts in, in a while. Like I haven't seen the phantom yeah. first narrative in quite some time. It's been it's a while. From, from both protocols and otherwise, right? Yeah. That's what yeah. you're saying. I haven't seen it, it. it. It's become like a lot of one, we need to put ourselves first now, whereas before we could put the ecosystem first. 
because again, we're defending bottom lines at this point because we need the cash flow to keep our runway going. And it's like all this attention we were able to put out into the world, we now need to focus on you know, spreadsheets and our revenue streams and our, you know, revenue structure and our business and our organization, which is good. And I think maybe all of this like tightening of the belt these past few months will probably, if the foundation can play this correctly, pay dividends in the long run, because now a lot of companies have been, have been forced to be like, okay, we need to be profitable. We need to be cash flow positive. We need to ensure that our business is rock solid in case something like this happens again we don't go under. Um, and that is like a positive that I see out of it. It's like we've been kind of forced into the gauntlet. Um, and, you know, now we have like a CFO and we're focused more on ensuring that we can be cash flow positive. And now, you know, if the foundation implodes, we're ready to take our business elsewhere um, and we're ready to diversify our revenue streams and, you know, yada, 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 this, that, the other. Um, I lost my train of thought a little, but uh, we've yeah. been at it for two hours. I don't blame you, bro. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's um, yeah. It, we can't focus on on the foundation's needs above our own anymore because the perpetuation of the foundation doesn't really do much for us. It's like they're working on the tech, which is all we need, and all we can do is focus on our bottom line and sure we can survive for long enough to actually, you know, experience their uh, roadmap, uh, which is why we're here. Um, so, yeah. So, so, you know, I, I think something that I find interesting is that Austin, I think the original question was, how do you, what was the original question? How do you, thank you. What, what would be a good solution perfect, for perfect. the community yes. to feel heard by the foundation is really perfect. what I was asking. What would that look yes. like? Yeah. So I, I have somewhat of a theory in terms of like senior level leadership and it's, it's really, how, how do you avoid predictable outcomes to protect your future? So like if you if you can look at something like the Gitcoin thing and say these are probably big you know if we can't get people to vote on chain for governance getting people to bridge things to then vote for you know like that's a predictable outcome so how do you protect yourself against that um, you know to to support your future communication and transparency is is so needed at a senior level for the community to be heard and my recommendation or proposal is when I worked at Yahoo. Marissa Mayer was the, the CEO of Yahoo and say what you want about Yahoo and, or, or her, it doesn't really matter, but she would get on stage every two weeks and across the world, the globe, the country, all, you know, I don't know how many thousands of employees work there would tune in. And this was a biweekly thing where the questions came from the community and they were addressed from the leadership. Um, and I think that that was a really, really great thing for clarity. It was a great thing for understanding the, you know, the future business uh, direction. Um, and that's really not that hard to conduct, right? So it's a, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty easy solution. So, you know, if something like that was enabled where the community could ask questions, it's very similar to how we set up the show um, and they were addressed, um, I think that would go a long way. And so that's, that's a recommendation that I personally lived through that I thought was really useful. And on, on the back of that, um, I think it's important to get the, the so if I run a business and a, a group of my biggest customers uh, having an issue with my product or my service or something like that, um, I call them, right? I don't send someone else, right? So I think it's important to get people like um, or developers and, and, and leaders in the space that, that have a vested interest in building on, on, on the platform in front of the decision makers, 
at the foundation, right? Not in front of a proxy. Um, you know, everyone in the chat earlier on was kind of dunking on particular individuals in in, in the foundation. Um, I don't get the sense that they're decision makers, right? They're proxies for, for, for someone else to make a decision. So I think getting in the same room uh, or virtual room as the people that actually make the decisions and having a, a frank discussion, we're all adults. We sit down, we work it out. This is what frustrates me. This is why. Here's a potential solution. What do you think? You can talk it out. Um, and I think that's very important. If the structure remains, um, you know, uh, airing grievances or frustrations via proxy, I don't see that working. Um, you know, I think it needs to come from the source and reach the end point with no, no interference in between. So what I would propose is a delegation of, of uh, uh, you know, developers and, and, and leaders in the space. Um, doesn't have to be huge. It could be three or four people that everyone else trusts to go in there and make the case, but to speak to someone that has the authority to actually affect change. That's what I would do in a situation like this um, uh, uh, with, with the aim of working it out, right, or at least being heard. I love it. So we're getting to the top of the hour here. I figure I should probably help us to start winding down a little bit. I do want to, I want to kind of give a final thought though, if I can. Um, and that, you know, we just had a, a very involved two hour discussion um, of these points and not a person on this show has a malicious thought towards Phantom. Right. Like these are people that have dedicated their their time and their energies and their love to this chain specifically. And and like for me personally, I you know, I saw somebody <clears throat> say it in the chat that this is price based. Well, you know, almost everyone on this chain wrote out back in May of last year, us going to 15 cents. We were a lot lower then, uh, but we were also a lot smaller then. And a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of energy has been put towards growing this network. And the biggest threat that we have is to all that work and energy and love that has been put in up until this point. So as we grow, we do have more to lose. And, you know, just I'm going to be super transparent with you guys, just speaking for myself, is that the way that I had chosen and continue to choose to support the Phantom Foundation is to support the builders. Because in my head, builders equate to network growth, and I'm still convinced that that's correct. And the reason that I've never, until this point, had these types of discussions is because this is the first time I've ever felt that the builders were not getting the support top down to make my efforts worthwhile. Because if I support them and they're not supported at the top, the hell am I doing? Like, why, what, why, why, why am I doing it? And so that's why I have personally chosen to get involved now is because right now on our network, the, there is bleeding and the bleeding is we're going to lose our best projects and developers to other chains that are willing to subsidize their runway. And that's that to me, that is, that is our clear and present danger. Now, if we fix that there are, we can, we can wiggle our way into the other issues. But that right now is something I hope we can put a tourniquet on quickly. And I believe, to their credit, I don't know for sure, but I believe that is that is happening right now. We'll probably know more by next week. 
And you guys want to closing thoughts? I I do have a a, clo- a, clo- a couple closing thoughts. One, uh, everybody's talking about the market being down. Like we we just went down how much in in a, in yeah, a week and a half? Like I don't I don't feel like we're getting crushed as hard as some other folks because I feel like the bottom for us could be kind of close. But anyway, <laughs> nevertheless, I digress there. But but so the point I want to make is like if you look at you know how we've gotten here, the grassroots nature, the amazing community. Um, you know, I want to remind people that Alchemix launched today on Phantom. So Let's go. To, for people to sit there and say, oh, like, you know, it, you know we're going to like, it's all going to go to zero. Like you're, you're, you're ridiculous. Like don't yeah. be ridiculous. Uh, but let me give you the reasons why they came to Phantom. So there are a few reasons for choosing Phantom. Primarily Phantom has a robust DeFi. It uh, has every primitive that Alchemist, Alchemix needs. UniV2 AMMs, balancer AMMs, curve, various curve forks, lending protocols, and urine finance. Uh, they go on to say that uh, the complaint on Ethereum, the fees are always too damn high. Thankfully, Phantom has some of the cheapest transactions on a sidechain you can have. So there's a there's a such amount of massive good here that, you know, it's like it's just this isn't a bear show. This is a realistic conversation. And this hopefully can help spark change in the positive direction. And that's really the point. Um, and so I am bullish on Phantom. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad I quit my job. Uh, and there's not really much else I'd rather be doing. So um, that's it for me. Phantom has swag. Swag, baby. Swag. Anyone think, else got anything? I, I mean, I, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but I think um, with some of this, it's it's just speaking from, you know, my my developer perspective. It is it's challenging to, you know, put your time and effort and stuff and time is money into things when there's like uncertainty. But I also think that a lot of this stuff can be, it's not, there's, it's not like you've painted yourself into a quarter and it's unchangeable. I mean, we were talking about Gitcoin grants. I mean, like you said, the foundation's been reaching out to projects. I'm assuming it's not to like help them figure out their Gitcoin marketing strategy. Um, uh, we don't know. We don't know, bro. Maybe it is. Maybe there's like, I, I would. Like there's options for say for like figuring out what some of the projects need help with and addressing some of that and you know looking at, at things doing postmortems, looking at things that, that have gone right, have have done well, looking at stuff that didn't go as well and how you can do it better in the future. Um, I mean the technology for Phantom, it it's still like Nick was saying, it's a whole um, self-reinforcing process of like the technology is good so you can build good user experiences on it so you can attract more users so you can put more money into the tech so you can build more apps it's it is a, a whole um you know a reinforcing cycle that that there are lots of parts of that that are working well and so it's kind of figuring out the kinks as things grow is totally doable and along with that comes more people interested in the network and and buying the token and all that sort of stuff Thank you, DS. Thank you, DS. All right. Let's get the hell out of here, man. I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Do me a favor. Like the video. Subscribe to the channel. Like it. I need to ask him at the beginning. Would somebody be our, our chief like and subscribe officer on this show and help me to remember to do that shit because I just I'm not good at it. Anyhow. We're getting the hell out of here. My name's Austin with FTM Alerts. With me, as always, Justin. I'm a, I'm a what is that called? Oh, flossing. I'm a flosser. I how to do that the other day. Congrats. Uh, you're going to get Thank so you. many chicks now, bro. Uh, Double Sharp, Crypto Clay, Mr. Nick Dracon. Thank you so much for, for coming again and joining us, my friend.
Thanks for having me. We'll catch you guys on the next live stream. Peace, everyone. Bye-bye. Later. See you.